Okay, so I'm going to go walk over and talk to the barkeep to see if he has inf any information for me. Okay, perfect. Um, I'm going to need you to make a skill check. Right, right, right. Um, so persuasion? Nope. I'm going to need athletics. Wait, I, I, I don't understand. Why athletics? Well, you have to walk over to the barkeep first. Let's see if you're successful in that. Oh, well, I rolled a three. Ooh, that's too bad. Okay, so on your way over, you trip and fall on your face. The barkeep laughs uproariously at you. It does not seem like he's going to be able to have a conversation anytime soon. <sighs> okay, well, I guess I get up and sit back down with the party at the table. I'm going to need another athletic skill check. Wait, what? What? Oh, wait. No, 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 no. I get it. Athletics to get up. And to walk back to my chair, that's a two. You know what? I, I'm just going to lie here and take a nap instead. This time on Becoming DM, we're talking about determining if you really do need that skill check. Hey, everyone. This is John. And this is Danielle. And... We're talking about skill checks, and I think that, that there are just so many things that you can roll for in a tabletop role-playing game outside of combat that um, that you might get uh, caught up in it. And, and those things are various and numerous. You could convince a shopkeep to give you a better deal, climb a wall over there, craft something, sneaking around. What else, Danielle? Anything else you want to throw out there? Oh, how about walking over to the barkeep? Um, I recently <laughs> heard a story about that. <laughs> uh, you can well, you can pretty much roll for anything because technically, um, the way like the dice are are like your, um, I don't know, kind of like joystick to the game, right? Yep. Yeah, they're they're the thing that that uh, that proves that the character can do the things that you want them to do. <laughs> yes. Proving that they can do things because dice never roll terribly. <laughs> dice jails are a thing. Yeah, and and I will say that that um, I have had this happen to me a couple of times. I've definitely seen it happen to other DMs where you have all these things to roll for, and you get so caught up in the idea of of rolling that like everything the players want to do, you just say okay, roll for this. And yeah, maybe not as overboard as walking across the room, but there are some things that I think you really just don't need to make a call for that roll. Um, so the goal today is to kind of talk about situations where um, roles aren't, uh, aren't needed as well as where they are needed, right? Exactly. And uh, yeah, sometimes they're just... They're just unnecessary, but we'll we'll get to that because I, I feel like it is a very kind of intricate thing, and I think part of that comes from uh, maybe being like an experienced DM. Like the more you DM, the more, in my opinion, uh, the more that that kind of stuff kind of stood out to me. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this I'm gonna I'm gonna back myself into a corner by doing this. <laughs> yeah. But I think in order for us to kind of understand some of the guidance that we're going to give as part of this episode, 
uh, a good starting place is to talk about raw. And and ah. for those of us that joined us for the terminology of RPGs, we know that that means rules is written. Yay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would come back. <laughs> um, so let's talk about um, how the rules are written. And Danielle, why don't you get us kicked off there? No, the rules is written. The rules is written, in my in my opinion, <laughs> are no fun. As written, <laughs> for skill checks, natural 1 and natural 20s are not automatic successes and failures for both D&D and Pathfinder, BTW. Yep. Um, so that's, that's mm, I don't like that. But I totally understand <laughs> where they're coming from and why it's in the rules like that. But uh, and so some some tables may play differently from the rules. My table is one of those is one of those tables that plays differently from the rules. Um, but yeah, I still have some fun with it. Uh, yeah, there's a few I, things. And, and I will say, like to contrast, I am one of those tables that I do. Um, this is one of the rules that I do that I do keep to at my table. Um, and we'll get into some of the the whys here in just a second. Okay, but can can I like defend myself as to like how I do mine? Sure. Okay. So, and I understand that that not everyone has to be a failure, right? But it can be like a kind of failure. Success with with like a a dash of failure. That's that's how I do a one when somebody's got like a really good skill check. I'll explain later. So, um, there's, <laughs> there's a few things that make up the logic of the rule. So, and this this is why I stopped because there's there's so many skills that a player can take, right? And they've got all these points, and they've got all this equipment, and they've got all these fancy fancy things that can increase their role, regardless of whether it's a one or not. So, a rogue's reliable talent would make a one a ten by default, right? Yep. And, so and then you it, it add means, in all of their skill bonuses to that. And so a one could be more like, oh, I don't know, an 18. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can get like exponential and, and kind of get crazy. And from that perspective, it would feel terrible. Like if I was a character and I knew that I got a plus 18 to, uh, I don't know, crafting a, a wooden carving, right? And I'm like doing this thing and I put all these points into it and I'm super pumped and I roll a one and they're like, oh, you're piece of wood breaks and your knife snaps and you can't do that anymore that would be upsetting because it's like yep. but i'm supposed to be good at this i'm supposed to be like exceptionally good at this so the way that i kind of run it it takes a little bit more uh on the toes kind of thinking but let's go with the with the wood carving thing so you've got a character they've got a plus 18 to wood carving and uh, they want to carve this this little statue right and so they roll, and they roll a nat 1, which by default is an 18 for them. So they will still be successful. This is, by the way, this is just me. Um, they'll still be successful in making their thing. But has anybody ever been doing crafts or been looking at crafts or even like the cooking things where somebody's like, oh, I'm going to make this cooking thing? And uh, it comes out, and it still looks good, but then you have somebody else point at it, and they're like, but can't you see that it doesn't? <laughs> it also it looks like what you were trying for, but... There's also this other thing. And so I did this to one character once, and he carved this really nice thing. And it looked beautiful because he had a great skill check. A nat one, but a great skill check. And so I just made it so that, like, inadvertently in, like, the details of the work, um, he had, like, wording in, like, this really obscure language that was, like, cake pan or something just stupid. And uh, so, it like, to most 
races and classes and peoples out there. They were like, oh, that's so pretty. But to this one elvish folk, every time they saw it, they would just chuckle at it because they <laughs> thought it was silly. And so it's it's a huge success, but with this tiny little dash of Nat 1 on it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that, that <laughs> dash one. <laughs> it's a very long-winded um, answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I would say like, but but getting back to like the rules as written, some of the other things that can can influence that that one um, are expertise, proficiency, um, plus base stat bonuses. So if we're talking about if we're talking about D and D five e um, by level nine. A character who build a player who builds their character a certain way, so maybe they've gotten to where they they've spent their their stat bonuses at the at the appropriate levels. They've gotten to a twenty in their stat, and they've gotten expertise on a skill. Um, that would mean that they get plus five from the stat and plus eight from expertise. That's not really even a super complicated build um, with doing anything incredibly unnatural or anything. That's just them saying, I want to focus on this stat and this skill. Um, so so that that's one of the reasons. Uh, another reason is is you've got this group of players. They can do buffs and and they can cast spells to basically allow somebody to add additional bonuses and stuff like that. And and so, like all of this stuff added together makes um, both, I would say, an automatic failure or an automatic success. Um, take away from from uh, a, a player's build potentially. And again, this is my view, uh, expounding upon like some of what the rules are. But but that's kind of kind of how I see it. I, I think that the way that that. You're talking about doing it, Danielle, where where it is a success, but there's there's a there's a yes and um, kind of moment there. Uh, it could could work for a lot of tables, and and I know that there are some people that still just want to have nat ones be automatic failures all the time, and nat twenties be automatic successes all the time. That's the way you want run your table. Then more power to you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the beauty about the the game and these in these rule books. You know, one of the first rules is. Um, Make it your own, you know, have fun yep. with it. Yeah. So I think like, let's maybe now move away from uh, the rules as written discussion and talk a little bit more nuance about when, what questions maybe we should be asking ourselves before we ask for a skill role. And I think that there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of things that, that you could ask and the first thing it does kind of tie a little bit into that rules as written discussion to some extent is is there a difficulty class and a dc going back to our terminology <laughs> and i think that i think that if there's if there's not a difficulty class associated with it that means that you as the dm either have to tell the players that no you can't do this or yes you've done it <laughs> um because Typically, a task will have will, will not have a difficulty class if a it is so easy that you actually don't need to roll for it, or b like walking, or b um, where it is so difficult that it's not possible for any creature to do. Um, and so, it, it, it I, I think that um, I think that you you need to understand as a DM first off like. How possible is this? Is it super easy? Is it super hard? And if not, like, 
maybe maybe don't ask for a role, right? Yeah, if something gets to be like super impossible, um, then I won't ask for a role. Mostly because it's just flat out impossible. Um, mm-hmm. There's the, it comes up so many times, so many times where somebody's like, "What if?" You're just like, "Oh no, I know where this is going," and <laughs> it's. <laughs> Start with what if, and yeah, everybody's about to get real creative real fast. Um, now, what I will say yeah. is, like, the way that I run my games is if there is a difficulty class associated with the task, no matter what that difficulty class is, if somebody wants to try it, I will let them roll. And and the reason being is, and, and like, we go back to my statement that nat 20s are not automatic successes for skill checks at my table, and some people will be like, why are you letting somebody roll if it's not possible? Um well, there, there's a number of reasons because I don't know whether it's possible for their character or not, first off, because I don't, and maybe there are DMs out there that do this, but I, I don't memorize the stats of, of my players' characters. I have too many other things going on to worry about does does Timmy have a have a plus eight to stealth or, or whatever um, to, to make this, this skill check. Um, number two... I don't know what additional buffs that they may use. So maybe they say, I want to do this. And I say, okay, well, it's going to roll. And then another player says, well, I want to give them a buff for this by doing this spell or whatever. Um, So that's two. And number three is even if it's impossible for that character to succeed doing all of their highest role possible, um, there may be another character at the table that it is possible for. And if I just say, no, you can't do that. It's not possible for you to do that. Then I've found that the mood at the table is like, all right, well, this task is just not possible, period. So nobody's going to try it, even though maybe maybe even half of the half of the party might succeed at the at the uh, the action. Um, so um, if it's possible, uh, and by possible, if there's some way that some creature can succeed out there, does it have a difficult difficulty class? Then I let the players roll. That's my mm-hmm. kind of uh, overall uh, theory and approach to uh, to skill checks and difficulty classes. Yeah, you can get pretty crazy out there. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't really track what my characters have for their skill. Like I have, I have, I do actually have a sheet, but I don't, I don't really pay that close of attention to it. I don't um, look at it. <laughs> yeah, I don't look at it. I made everybody write their numbers down so that they think I have them, but I don't read it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I always let people roll if they, well, for reasonable things, if somebody wants to roll for it, I don't see a reason to, uh, to, to really stopping them for it. Um, yeah, I, but I've seen I've... a lot of like conversation and memes and stuff online where, where people are like, if they can't succeed at it, why do you let them roll? If a nat 20 doesn't, doesn't succeed, why let them roll? And, and those are my reasons of why I let them roll. But there are a lot of people that, that, that either, um, say nat 20 is on automatic success and it's because of that, or, or they just, I guess, memorize the player's character sheets and say no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess if it's just flat out impossible. But I mean, then there's also some things that uh, that my players have tried to do that are near impossible, but not technically impossible. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I know that. Uh, well, how I kind of handle that is I actually increase the amount of skill checks. 
right? Like if they're trying to pick a super, ex- well, Locke is a really bad one because Locks have like a very definitive skill check. Right. But if they're trying to do something outlandish and crazy, I'll just let I'll just let everybody imagine their own outlandish crazy thing. You're talking about like chunking it out into little smaller chunks where where they can succeed or fail on path along the way. Is that am I getting yeah. that right? Okay. Yeah, because I, I, like in combat, I don't know how if you encounter this, and I don't know maybe maybe you deal with this differently. But I'll have somebody say, "Oh, what I want to do is I want to parkour off the wall, swing on the lantern, do a triple backflip." And then and then land on Buddy's shoulders and then pick his nose with my pinky finger while I tickle his armpit with my other hand. It's like <laughs> really this is this is what you're going for there. I know I said I'd let everyone else imagine their own thing, but <laughs> I, I made up my own. Uh, who thing. knows? Maybe maybe what you what you brought out that was better than what they imagined. I don't know. <laughs> it, it it's probably worse. There's there's nose picking and armpits. Um, and so what I do is I just break that into different skill checks when somebody wants to do something um, just just outlandishly weird. Or I'll just make it one skill check for the rule of cool, you know, succeed, succeed. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, honestly, if it's something that, that you want that like you think is just really cool and you want them to have a higher success of, uh, chance of success, lower the difficulty class. It's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Oh. <laughs> But I, I think that um, let's get into some more questions because I think some of the other questions get uh, get even further away from raw, which I think is important for this conversation. Yeah, uh, right. And I think I think that the fir- the next question is: Is it difficult, right, Danielle? Yes, which is not to be confused with difficulty class because right. a difficulty class would be an assigned um, value. So, like I was mentioning earlier with the locks, so a different. Uh, Quality of lock has a different DC or difficulty class, right? Like 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. And it, uh, and it kind of goes around from there. But this is just plainly, is it difficult, right? So mundane tasks that people do without any difficult on a daily basis, basis like walking across a floor, should probably <laughs> not have a skill check associated with po- it. Pouring a glass of milk, stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and this, uh, for the most part, probably don't need to do one. Now, that being said, I personally also think that, like, once once every, like, blue moon, it would be hilarious. I don't think I actually do this, I'm, so I maybe shouldn't try to sell it, but <laughs> I think it would be hilarious to to make somebody, like, roll an athletics check to walk across the ground. It's like, why are I'm you I'm not going to do it, but I think it would be hilarious. Somebody let us know when you do this. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it, but... but I recommend. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> um, but keep in mind, if you, so we've got a mundane task, right? But if you pair that with something else, like like time restraints or distractions or something like that, you that might warrant uh, having having a skill check fall into place there. Picture this, okay? You have to eat a bowl of soup. That's pretty easy, right? Spoon, soup, spoon, soup. And that's that's a relatively mundane task. But if you if for some reason come with me on my journey here, for some reason you I, have I'm, to eat a magic I'm, I'm fascinated <laughs> where this where this is going. So <laughs> you you have to eat a magic bowl of soup while you're riding a horse, right? For some reason that's it's magic. That's how it works. And uh, but now chances are that it's not just going to be super easy to just eat this bowl of soup while you're riding on the back of this horse. And so I would say that that would now associate itself with a skill check. You're looking at dex, maybe concentration. 
Well, I mean, in the in the bowls theme of thing, I recently had in the game in the game that I'm running where players had these bowls that they had to uh, basically dip under this uh, constant flow of lava to transport lava out of this uh, this closed system so that they could make their way through a path. And if it, if it were water, I would have just said, yeah, go ahead and stick the bowl. You can, you can get however much you want out. End of story. Um, we've added the danger of lava on top of it. And suddenly we're rolling a, we're rolling a a, a skill check because, because that's the other thing is like when we talk about mundane tasks, a lot of time mundane task failure is, is negligible. It's, it's not going to do anything to you. Whereas failure and filling a bowl of with lava and transporting it means that you're going to hurt pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. It's, a, it's not going to be a pleasant feeling, you know, like I know, I know how carefully I walk when I've got like a full bowl of water. Right. And even once in a while, it still sloshes out and splashes me. That would be a whole different scenario if that was lava. I would say that that uh, when you're thinking about difficulty, like it is the task difficult. Keep in mind that social encounters um, can often fall in this this question to see whether the roles needed. Because when you when you have a social encounter, you need to you need to understand a few things about it. Understand what the what the character is trying to do is what the ask is. Um, understand the disposition of that NPC to the character. Are they neutral? Are they friendly? Are they hostile? Um, are they just pissed off at them? And and like finding where that middle ground is to um, determine whether a role is needed. Like if some if 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 a character is asking the barkeep where to find the blacksmith in town, unless they've done something to thoroughly piss off the blacksmith, which let's be honest is an entire mm-hmm. possibility, um, then he's probably just going to tell them what it is. Uh, now, if he's if he's upset with them or something like that, then there may be a persuasion check or there may be an insight check to see, like for them to see if this person is lying to them about where that blacksmith is because he's sending them on a wild goose chase. But in 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 I think a lot of social encounters, you can just have the social encounter and not have to worry about rolling. It. And I've, I've I've seen actually a lot of times where where DMs will role for mundane uh conversations when it's really just not needed yeah i i'm not i'm not a huge fan of rolling during conversations um but that's i i feel like just because it is a role-playing game and i find and maybe this is just my table my my table doesn't do a whole lot of role-playing like during combat and Mm -hmm. so the the talking the social encounters that's that's kind of where that whole piece of the pie comes in and uh, if people just roll it away, but that being said, I mean, not everybody is uh, is as diplomatic as their character with 47 points in it. How? Um, so well, in and, that, and, in that and regard. To, and to that, like if, if it is a if it is a difficult social interaction, then I, what I will typically do is is have the player say what they're going to say and. If they are not great at role playing, they can just tell me kind of what they what what they want to accomplish with what they're saying uh, in those mm-hmm. cases. But if they're comfortable with it, I try to get them to say like, "What are you going to say?" And then from there, again, this is if it's a difficult social encounter, I will have them roll in addition to that to see 
how it, how what they're saying lands. Because when when you talk, it's not just about the words that you say; it's how you deliver it and stuff like that. And I think that's where a lot of the the social based skill checks come into play. Is your character adept at delivering this message the way that you intended it to be? Um, and so, mm-hmm. like a a very low charisma uh, person. A uh, character being driven by a very high charisma person is, it, 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 in my mind, there are a little bit of an advantage if if you're just going by what the player says. That's why I add in the roles a little bit just to they, they kind of are some. because it's not like you can be like a really big strong person playing yeah. like a wizard and just be like, oh, I can lift the table anyways, and it's like that that, <laughs> that doesn't translate into the game. <laughs> Yep. But with the mental stats, it, it most certainly does. And so in that regard, you do have to be a little bit careful, especially if you have somebody who's got a, a dump stat in one of your like uh, social stats. Well, and, and you see this, I think, a lot in role-playing games where where sometimes people will play the thing that they that they know that they're not, but they want to be. So the the person who's maybe a little bit more... Uh, socially awkward will have the high charisma bard because that's maybe what they want to be. Not all the time, but but you see it happens some, enough to say it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe the the really charismatic person wishes they were strong or whatever. And so you get these these characters that are odds at odds with the personality. And so the really high charisma person can't talk their way out of a box because the the player's driving them again. If you don't if you don't let them roll for some of this stuff, so. Yeah, you'd, there would definitely uh, require some roles. Yeah. Re- require some roles, yeah. <laughs> Did so, that come out right? I think so. I understood I felt it. like I missed an R. Just don't, <laughs> don't mind me. <laughs> so. Maybe I heard it on my own. Have you ever finished running a session of your favorite role-playing game and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure I ran that the right way? Or maybe you just tried out something new in your game and it worked really well and you want everybody to know about it. If so, you may have the perfect idea for a future episode of Becoming DM. Point your browser to becomingdm.com ideas and fill out our simple form to tell us all about it. You can even let us know that you'd like to be a, a guest co-host for the topic. Submitting your ideas helps John and Danielle relieve pressure on their brains so they can record more episodes. Go to becomingdm.com ideas today to submit your episode idea. Now let's get back to the show. Moving forward on the questions, what's the, what's the next question we should be asking, Danielle? I think something else that's important to consider um, past the the difficulty and the difficulty class is, uh, we kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, is uh, the time constraints, right? Is there is there some sort of time um, binding on this? So if the party has a lot of time to devote to, to accomplishing the thing that they're trying to accomplish and they're not going to get interrupted and they can just sit there and focus as long as they need to, they probably aren't going to need a role to do it, right? Like they're locked away and all they got to do is braid a rope over the next three weeks. Yeah. Okay. They'll probably just sit in there and braid the rope. Um, and a role might not be an indicator of success or failure, but maybe how much time is required. You know, you could, you could kind of play it that way. 
Yep. Uh, but again, time time can definitely adjust. Uh, what's I'm going to go back to my soup example. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> the mundane task of eating soup, right? That's pretty. That's pretty chill. Um, but say there's some sort of weird time constraint. Now you have to eat the magical soup in 30 seconds, but it's piping hot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know, maybe some sort of constitution check on that to see if you can like actually sustain like the heat in your mouth to drink the soup. You know, that could, that could play in. I don't know. This very, well, I might be hungry. I, I have an example that, that is neither <laughs> soup nor bowl related this time. Uh, <laughs> um, it was actually when I when I started running Pathfinder for uh, the adult group that I that I um, had was first time running running the game for, for for adults, and I was very excited and they were very excited and I wanted to do some skill checks and and one of the players was a rogue. It was early in the morning. Nobody was around. They're like, "Well, hey, I want to I want to climb up and see if I can climb up on the roof," and and look around and see if there's a different way into the shop. They're trying to get into the shop that the guy wasn't there for. And I mean, there was no time constraint. There were, there was nobody out in the streets at this point. They, they had pointedly like tried to try to do this when it was really early morning. And frankly, if they, if they had enough time, it wasn't a, it was a, not a difficult enough task when combined with no time constraint that I should have made them roll. And so um, I made them roll and they failed. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like if had I to do it again, I would have, they would have said, hey, I want to climb up on the, on the roof. And I would have said, yeah, you're up on the roof. It's, it's not, you're, you're in a city. It's not like they're building the, the, this structure to, to prevent people necessarily um, at this point to, to keep people off there. So. Yeah. So like in a in a time restraint, you're being like chased and you got to climb up a building to yeah. escape someone. And that would 100% make sense to make a skill check roll, um, you know, because you, you have to be thinking fast, acting fast, making quick decisions. And in those kind of, of uh, pressures, right, you might make a mistake, make uh, make a poor decision. But if you've got five minutes to stare at a building and go, yep, I can probably... Yeah, probably grab onto that right there. You know, you got you got lots of time. Yep. And there was the I don't remember which versions it's in or if it's still in any of the versions. There was the concept of taking ten, where basically oh. you could just say, I'm gonna take ten minutes and and accomplish this task. Um I do think that that if you're going to implement something like that you do need to understand whether the task is actually accomplishable because some t- some tasks doesn't matter how much time the character has um, they will still need to make a roll. I'm thinking like really high difficulty tasks um, back to back to our locks. If you've got just this lock that is designed to be unpickable or whatever and is is extremely difficult to get into. Um, some of it's just going to be a matter of the skill of the of the of the person picking the lock at some point. And, and no amount of time is, is necessarily going to help you get through that. Um, Not to mention, sorry, when you're talking about yeah. like taking 10 or taking 20, the concept of taking 10 or taking 20 says that, that the character is essentially agreeing to fail nine out of 10 times. That's, that's yep. the goal is they're going to try 10 times. Nine of them, they're going to fail. One of them, they're going to succeed. And so you also have to look at that from the perspective of what are the consequences of failure in this situation? Because if failure, if, if I'm trying to, 
uh, carve a special little stone that I found. I can't fail carving one stone nine times. I'm going to wreck the stone. <laughs> and, and so you can't really take 10 on that. Can I take 10 to practice a dance? Sure. There's zero consequences for me stumbling around and looking foolish in my basement. But if if the the goal is to, like, technically, if you think about it, if, you, if you're taking 20 to do a climb, right, then you're assuming that you have failed your climb check 19 yep. times. That doesn't and really what work. And what is the actual result of that? Yeah. Yeah. Just food for thought. Yeah, and, and so, like, some of it could be uh, – um, I like to tie it back to, to locks because I've played rogues plenty of times. Um, <laughs> like, if you're picking a lock, maybe there's a chance that, that, you, that they could damage that lock, especially for more uh, complex locks – that uh, that are designed to shut down if they if they um, encounter a an, an attempt to subvert them, maybe they they lock stuff down to where it's basically you can't unlock it anymore, um, and and so again back to the taking ten, you wouldn't want to do that because your failure could mean that that you just can't do it. So after ten minutes, it's like oh well great you failed sometimes and uh, now you can't do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Could you imagine breaking your little lock picks off? Is that yep. like a? Is that I've never really played a rogue or had like a rogue player. Is that something that actually happens? I've never had um, a DM implement that. Um, I I think that like and and again this goes back to like if you have nat ones be automatic failures on skill checks, maybe the result of the nat one is that they break their lock picks. I guess it could happen. Yep. Or. If you don't do that, and to 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 use your um, kind of theory is maybe a nat one. If if they have the bonuses with the nat one to pick the lock, they pick the lock, but their but their picks break at the same time. So actually, you know what I do um, for like for something where they're using an object or or even a weapon is uh, a nat one. I get them to use pencil and just draw a little X next to the item, okay. and X means it's it's damaged. And if they have two X's, it means it means it's severely damaged. And at three X's, it's broken. But they can also repair things. Got it. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Um, okay, I think um, moving on to to the next question. And I think this is this is one that's really important. Is does failing the check completely prevent forward motion in the game? And now, this is something I wish somebody had told me when I first started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I think we've, we we may have a long, long time ago, and Felicia was still with the show, we may have, have talked about an encounter that, that she was running similar to that where, where somebody had to search a room and and find this hidden door, and the hidden door was the only way forward. And so, like, she had players rolling and rolling and rolling and they kept on failing the the perception check or investigation or whatever it was and and they couldn't move forward and finally she, i think she just gave up and said all right will you find a door <laughs> um so so i i think that that um as you as you uh as you make your way through the through your game you do need to understand what the consequences of a failure of that role are does it make it harder? Hey, that's fine. 
Does it make it to where they stand around at the table for the next hour and a half going like, I don't know what to do. Like they, they said it was here, but obviously it's not here. We've all checked it and, and, and it's not here. Um, um, so ma- making sure that, that it doesn't stop that, that motion of the game, because then nobody's having fun. They're, they're all just sitting around looking at it. That, do- that doesn't mean that you should just let them have it, but you need to have um, either an alternate way forward um, where you don't find anything in this room and they can search and they can find other things and maybe it takes them a longer way or maybe it takes them and they find somebody who has a map or something like that. But but yes, the path may be longer, it may be more difficult, but it doesn't stop them. Yeah, and that's 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 exactly where, where I kind of screwed up too. Uh, this is, I think, one of the first games I, I ran and it kind of sounds like Alicia and Felicia, sorry, Felicia? Felicia? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It kind of sounds like we did the same same thing because I had my party in uh, in an area and all they had to do, all they had to do, this is what I kept telling myself, all they have to do is uh, is find this one thing, right? But nobody, like, it, it was like 18 nat ones in a row. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's just, it was just, it, everything just descended into chaos. Nothing was going anywhere. And and with all of these failures happening, right? Failures with a sprinkle of success, or however however their skill points shake out, and mm-hmm. uh, it it put me in one one heck of a bind because I didn't have an alternate plan in that moment on on how to <laughs> fix what I had done. Um, I, I came up with something like on the spot, or you know, eventually you're just like, oh, look at that! Someone so's walking across the room. They trip on a hidden lever. <laughs> um, <laughs> something like that, right? That's <laughs> like that's your night one. You tripped on the lever, but uh, yeah, you you can get yourself into into one heck of a pickle by not having not having an alternate option if you're going to make a skill check for progression mandatory. Yep. I so what I typically do if I'm going to have a skill check that is integral to them finding finding the bad guy, finding the treasure, whatever is I will do um a, a fail forward option. I think we may have talked about fail forward on the show before. Um and typically what I do is I I'll have I'll have three or f- sometimes four options for how a how the party can get out of a room that maybe they're trapped in that has hidden exits, whatever. And so if it's tied to a skill check and often I tie it to puzzles rather than skill checks, but, but I think the same works out for skill checks. If it's tied to a skill check, then, then the highest DC will be tied to the best path, the path that has um, the least likelihood of killing the characters and stuff like that. And then the next highest will be the the uh, slightly less desirable, slightly less desirable until you get to the last one, which is like any roll goes, <laughs> and 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 it is a death trap. Um, yes, it's survivable, but but it is it is it is rough. <laughs> yeah. You start by taking this wooden canoe across this lake of lava. Don't worry, it'll be fine. Paddle quickly. <laughs> um, like in in in. Um, 
in the game that I'm running right now, they came to a room like this, and like I said, it was it was by puzzle, but but the the same sort of options could could work out. And one path took them to a hallway that led basically straight to the the, the next two major rooms that had pieces that they had to do something in. Um, if they solved it a different way, then it opened a door with a room full of like pressure plate traps that they that they that they would have to detect multiple times to get through the room. Um, and if they failed to detect them, they they would take damage from a variety of different types of traps. Um, and if they, if they solved it the third way, it would go to this room that was basically a wall to wall acid pit. Um, I like the damaging liquids, apparently. <laughs> and there and there was another small puzzle in that room to get them across the acid pit. And depending upon how they solved it there, again, options, um, they would have to roll different skill checks to to get across it. So they could there was something that they could do to lower the acid. There was something that they could do to, to raise a platform that they could walk across. If they did both, then they wouldn't have to make a check. If they did one uh, one or the other, then they would have to make checks to avoid like accidentally dipping their toe into the 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 uh, acid or whatever. No, not my favorite toe. <laughs> <laughs> but but that that did add like additionally some some additional skill checks. So if you are wanting to do more meaningful skill checks, um, then then the then the failure option for finding the path forward could could have more like impactful skill checks that that failure does really mean something bad happens. So question for you, with having people going into like this room and your your skill check kind of determining um, which direction that they're going, do you like does everybody get a check in this scenario or does like one person get a check? It's the barbarian, he got an at one, um, sucks to sucks to be the whole party, you're gonna go play in the acid room? Yeah, so typically if I if I have a skill check like that that's going to gonna define moving forward, um, we'll start off with the party saying which parts of the room they're going to, to, to search. And I, I typically try to encourage them to have one person search whatever part is they're going to search and, and somebody else search something else. And that way, if I know that the, um, the hidden switch or whatever – is in this part of the room. I can just take that person's role as what gets revealed. Um, I, I don't like. I, I try to avoid mass roles um, uh, if I can, uh, and, and I do. That's that's. I think that's the way to do it without um, without actually making people feel like they're left out. Is is in, is giving them enough things to search that they're all searching, and uh, and. Uh, and that way they don't feel left out of the of the role that uh, uncovers the the pathway or whatever. Yeah, then everybody's kind of doing their own thing in their own corner of the room. But I, I think the important thing for 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 this is however whatever you're looking at doing for that is to keep the action going. Because as we said, getting stuck in a room while while the party's like, well, We've checked everything. Well, maybe we need to look at the ceiling. Can I can I sit on so and so's shoulders and and run my hands along the ceiling? No, there's nothing there. Um, <laughs> but it, and it comes up with these desperate ideas, which I mean, maybe you can take those desperate ideas and 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 convey them into, oh wow, look, you found something. 
Um, but I think more often than not, what happens is they have these desperate ideas that just keep them sitting there and everybody starts, you can, you can see it turn where people start to not have fun, uh, in oh, you situation. can act, you can watch that happen. Yeah. <laughs> From behind the screen, you're just like, and now they're all, they're all <laughs> not enjoying themselves. <laughs> well, good night, everyone. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I gotta pull this out. But mind you, I watched I watched a, a TikTok or something the other day where uh, a DM he was he had players and they they walked into a room and he's like, okay, all you have to do is turn the torches upside down and uh, and then do this and then do that and everything will be fine. And like there was a there was a counter at the bottom of this thing, and so there wasn't even a skill check involved in this. And these these two players they spent twenty minutes in this room, um, not knowing what to do. With the torches, but of course they had a camera going, so so they, they there was there was no additional hints given past the just straight out <laughs> telling them what to do, and then just twenty minutes of them trying to do things that wasn't the thing he told them to do is hilarious. <laughs> um, oh, I think that there's one thing that we we um, we should probably add to this when we talk about if failing a check um, prevents forward motion, and and that is. If you've got, if you've got a group that maybe you've gotten yourself into a situation where where you've had a failed check and and nobody's going anywhere, then you can give them hints, and and those hints could be maybe they found something else somewhere in the room that that like reads off a couple of things that gives them some clues, and maybe they they decide to research that area of the room, and you can give them a bonus uh, or advantage, and 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 give them a better chance to get through. Or if there's an NPC that's traveling with them, give them a chance to search as well. Um, yeah, that's um, always an option. And or or the NPC can be like, well, hey, what is that thing over there? And, and again, get them to, to search it again um, with with some new information, kind of thing. So leveraging, um, like, if, if you're not going to have alternative paths that that could potentially open up, and this is the is the stop for them moving forward, then you need to have some options for clues, for NPC inter- interaction, something else that that allows them to uh, to find this using using something other than that that failed role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some some sort of out. So I think that's what we wanted to talk about today. Unless you wanted to add anything else, Danielle. No, I think that's pretty much it. Just a final shout out to the rule of cool, in my opinion, because. I think I everything that I do in the game is just based off of the rule of cool. And sometimes that means not doing a skill check because that's just going yep. to slow the game down. And sometimes that means letting somebody somebody roll that skill check to see if they can get up on the guard's shoulders. I don't know. Whatever it happens to be, that's... I don't know. I feel like that kind of just boils down to it. Although, actually, just saying that now, you said something earlier in the episode, which I really felt... Um, kind of jived with me for the skill check thing uh-huh. you said if the skill if the thing that they're doing has negative consequences that there should be a skill check i feel like that's a really good concise way of thinking about it if yeah. something bad could happen like really bad could happen because of this thing then yeah make a check yeah and i think that like knowing when you can say yeah you don't need a check and and feeling like you can say that is 
one of those skills that a lot of DMs don't learn until later on. So I, this is something that I think is is uh, can be beneficial for people to to spend a little time getting comfortable with. Yeah, something so. to ponder on. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. This is going to be our last episode of the year. So uh, enjoy your New Year's, and uh, we will see you next year uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, and until then, stay, stay nerdy, nerdy, friends. Thanks for joining us again. Make sure to share the show with friends to help grow our audience. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm. On Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest, we are Becoming DM. And our website is becomingdm.com. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Danielle Tremblay. The show is edited by John Welsh. We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.